this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. (laughs) For those of you listening live, yeah, we got, uh, you know, we had a little hiccup, but hey, man, uh, you know, we weren't really supposed to mention that, but that's all right. (laughs) Bev did anyway. Sorry. uh, You know, that's fine. That's how we do things here. My bad. Uh, anyway, we have, uh, that did kind of throw me too. I totally didn't expect oh, you to do that. Sorry. I was like, oh God, what is she doing to me? <laughs> I suck. Whatever. Uh, we have a rad show for you today. Taryn has gone through the trouble of, uh, figuring out the history of the Alice and the Mermaid ride, right? Is that what it's called? <laughs> That's not I'm a big Disneyland fan, so I yeah, would know. Huge. Ariel um, in Wonderland. Get it right. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what it is. <laughs> that would be better. Uh, no, Alice in Wonderland. The Alice in the Wonderland ride. Not Alice, Alice and the Wonderland. Oh, it's Alice. That sounds like a morning drive Alice time, like, in like DJ. <laughs> Alice and the Wonderland. From six to ten. Yeah, every morning back at you. You think you're gonna hear songs, but mostly you're just gonna hear me talk. Right. <laughs> like every other morning radio show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you do an Alice in Wonderland ride, the history of and. The teacups a little bit too, right? Um, I did not really go into the teacups. Um, I thought I was going to, but then I ended up not doing that. Um, I'll explain it all later. What a disaster! Yeah. In this friggin' room. Well, right I was just gonna keep going over you, but you now you announced it. So. New studio, man. It was muted. I just it wasn't. Is it new when it's our second time? Yeah, no, it's still yeah. new, but it wasn't the studio's no, fault. No, it was my fault. Yeah. No. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. I don't even care. I don't even care because we have Jeremy from Spectral Radio. Thank yes. God. Coming on the yeah. show today. Somebody needs to Coming class up this show. And uh, I did an audio test with him earlier. Everything was fine. We had a couple laughs. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. Good time was had by all. But anyway, let's jump into the show here, first of all. Uh, we're on iTunes. You should rate us on iTunes. <laughs> Tune in Radio Stitcher, Google uh, Play Podcasts. That's a thing. So we're on that. Uh, we're on social media, sort of. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, I guess. Uh, feedback goes to Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. Any compliments go to Terrence at the above-mentioned uh, Earl. And you can say hi, hi to Bev. And anything else comes to me, Jason, at earsup-podcast.com. Don't forget to check out the blog. We have more cool Disneyland info, like our animated classics review. I finally Yay. did one to completion. It was. I read um, it. I read so, it today. It was all right. It was okay. It was good. I mean, I've never seen the movie, but I imagine it was great. It's uh, Saludos Amigos, which was, I believe, released with the Three Caballeros. Um, it was. Uh, it was interesting. I had to pay for it. I rented it on Amazon. <laughs> I saw that. That's for too bad. Four dollars. Did you? Do you at least get to, get to keep it? Oh, no, you rented it. I rented it, yeah. Um, was it worth it? That's a really good question, Terrence. Um, 
You know what? Yes, for four, four bucks, bucks right, sure. Right. Why not? Let's call it. Let's call it worth it. Right. Um, the quality was cool, but um, it's uh, it, it's it's just uh, uh, weird. So basically, the the premise is Disney goes down to South America. Okay. And they kind of just get inspiration from the local people and culture and whatever, and right. then they throw three or four stories together, and that's that's the movie. Um, okay. So it's kind of a cool mix of like old 16 millimeter film and you know cartoon like Donald. Okay. There's a Donald Duck cartoon, right? Right. right. Um, <clears throat> so it was kind of one of the only movies that we've seen so far that was kind of like, oh, I, I get this now because it's a collection of shorts, right. essentially, mm-hmm. where Snow White or, you know, whatever. Um, Fantasia was, I guess, that way, too, but it's a little yeah, more grandiose. Was... This is a lot less grandiose. I was going to okay. say, it was better or worse than Fantasia. It was way better. I finished it. I was like, oh, that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. So, I don't know, man. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, four bucks. Th- three ninety nine. Sorry, I don't want to I don't right. lead anybody astray. Uh, but check it out. Or, if you don't want to, Go to the blog, the and you can there. read my opinion on it. Um, you kind of give just like a walkthrough, too. Like, you give a good idea of what the movie is. Yeah, for the most part. Because I, I, it, it's a weird movie. It's not just like, here's a thing with a plot. You know, there's a couple of there's a couple of movies like that uh, uh, that you can watch on Amazon for free. Um, <laughs> um, it, it's listed as like Mickey and the Beanstalk. Okay. On Amazon, but there's yes. like there's like seven different cartoons that play with it, and I think it's the same idea where it's just oh. a bunch of little shorts, and they're not all about Mickey and the Beanstalk necessarily, yeah. but they're all sort of the same era, and it's cool. That's awesome. Free. 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 I love free. <laughs> Speaking of free, who is free to do the next one? Who's going to be doing the next? Uh, I don't know. I took it over for one of you, so okay, it's one you guys, of your first turn. First of all, I was never, <laughs> never going to watch this. And second of all, you guys didn't even give me the right name. You yeah. called it something completely different. Oh, okay. So uh, we'll go with the uh, three caballeros, and that is you next. No. That, that's the next movie. Yeah. That's that's the next movie. I don't want to do that one. <laughs> I want to do a movie that I'm actually going to watch. Why wouldn't Why you wouldn't watch, watch the watch three that? caballeros? I don't want to watch it. But you've never watched it before. You might actually enjoy it. He's, he's got you there. Yeah. Yeah, but I might, very well might not. Well, yeah, but that's <laughs> uh, unfortunately the kind of risk that we run when we watch entertaining shows. Is that called life? Yeah. I might, I don't know if I want to live, but I might. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not these bills. I don't want to pay these bills, yeah. but I might like having heat. Did you? So maybe you should. <laughs> did you think about that before you had a kid? Like, oh, life is pretty tough. I may not want to like, I may not want to discipline a child, but I may also want to. No, I didn't think about that at all. It's the, on the same level. It's Watching n- Three Caballeros, childbirth. <laughs> it's the same just, level of wait, importance. It's probably the same level of pain I, as well. So. He's not wrong. Um, I will do it I again. Mis- no, I misunderstood. I thought you said that part of your show, part of the movies that you watched was the Three Caballeros. No, I think it was uh, released on like a DVD package for the two or something like that. Er. Yeah. I mean, whatever, fine. I'll, I'll, She's not I'll, gonna actually do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Hold on, we need a time frame. I'm not gonna do it before the next show. We do need a show. time frame. You have two weeks. Right. That's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> to watch an hour long movie. And like write stuff. Just, just voice text it <laughs> in your phone. Because <laughs> that works out so well. Maybe great. Abby could write it for you. <laughs> the three caballeros was really good. I really enjoyed the part way about. I thought it was really good. No punctuation whatsoever. It's all one sentence. Ten hockey sticks and Jello raining clouds time. No, go back. That's not what I meant. Because my phone. 
I, I voice text so well. <laughs> uh, look, if you don't do I'll it, do it, I'll do it. Because uh, uh, I'll probably end up watching it anyway. Because you know, it's the three caballeros, man. They have part of it in like some of the parades and whatnot. Like, uh, you know, it's a thing. It's a whole thing now. It's in Disney World, right? A little parrot in now. the Mexican. I think so. Area, in the pavilion. That ride? Yeah. No, oh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah. I will do it. Okay. It's in a. It's small world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're yes, right. That's true. That is very true. You guys can support awesome radio like this. <laughs> you can uh, sign up from uh, via PayPal. You can go uh, do a lot of your shopping on the Amazon link. Now, you know, you go to the website, uh, hit that Amazon link, and then do your Christmas shopping from there. We get a little kickback from that, and it helps build the studio. It will help to build the studio better, um, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. You can also go shop at Covey Ears. You guys listening live. On Black Friday, 20% off everything in the store on coveyears.getcoveyears.com. Holler. Churro shirts. Mm-hmm. Actually, truth be told, churro shirts are still 30% off right now on getcoveyears.com because I didn't cancel the other sale. So uh, go buy a churro shirt right now. <laughs> right this time. <clears throat> You'll be glad that you did. Uh, support our friends. You can go to the earsuppodcast.com about us, friends of Ears Up, little uh, sub-menu, and those are some of the people that have helped us do this show. I do want to give a, a real quick shout-out to uh, our good friend Charlie Essers, who helped me uh, with 3, 4, the 98% of everything that I've, uh, I've put into the studio. So uh, without without his help, he would not uh, we would not be here Absolutely. right now. We would... Uh, I like that guy. I don't know what we'd be doing. Yeah, he's a good guy. Well, without him, we also wouldn't have our twin reporters, so... That's true. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We need to get those girls back out on the field. They're amazing. You know? They're amazing. We should get them on after they do their run. They're That's doing right. the Disney run in May. Yeah, so they're doing the Disney run, and I think Taryn and I might try to do one whenever the next one is. We're going to go running tomorrow. Yeah, we the same reaction yeah. I had. No, I know. We started running. Isn't well, that weird? Yes, I was, it is. I'm still sore. And when did we run? Sunday? Sunday morning. Oh, boy. How far did you guys run? Oh, uh, about a, it was about a mile and okay. a quarter. Okay. But not con- slow. Not continuously. So you just we made it in a loop, right? So you didn't like yeah, yeah. run straight for a mile and a quarter and, oh, we had to turn and, around. Then, and then Uber it We're back. We're stupid. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, awesome. So our, our, our training regimen is to jog for 30 seconds and then walk for a minute. Okay. Because neither of us are are anywhere near as active as you know adults in their 30s need to be. <laughs> right, right. And uh, so and then and and you know Charlie and and his whole family are training for this run and they're like, you should you know, run for a minute and then walk for a minute. I'm like, oh no. No, they were like all over us. They were like, no, you don't understand. It's so much fun. They do pictures and they call your name and they were like, yeah, it's a whole thing. I'm we like, we were there for I a weekend. It. And yeah. They, like every chance they got, they were like, "No, you guys need to do this." Huh. So we're like, "Okay, we'll do it." But I'm not going to be running for a minute straight. I I can't do it. I'm too weak. So I'm going to be I'm running for 30 seconds, okay. and then halfway through, we're like, "Okay, it's a minute rest, ready to go." No, <laughs> let's let's walk. Let's walk for another minute. Okay, so once we can complete the circuit of okay. 30 seconds and then a minute rest, you know, back and forth without additional rest, then we can bump it up then to like 45, 45 seconds yeah. and whatever. I mean, makes I got, sense, there right? Has, it does. And look, I hate running. And so there, do I. There has yeah. to be something to it, right? My niece just finished her 12th Jeez. marathon. Wow. 12th. She's like, no. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. Like, no. So... Clearly, there's something. So yeah. if, you fi- if you find out what that thing is, let me know because 
I, I mean, will. I'll, well, I'll cheer you on from the sidelines. I've been looking at a lot of uh, sure. a lot of websites about how to get proper form and all that kind of stuff, and and everyone's saying like you can't just if you don't run at all, you can't just start going jogging around the track. Right. You have to build up, or else you're going to hurt yourself, and it's not going to be fun anymore. So I don't know how you did it, but uh, you know. Also, come the- running with us tomorrow. Yeah, what one good thing? Oh, and thanks. Look, let me tell you what my day tomorrow is going to involve: <laughs> waking up, a shower, yeah. preparing cranberry sauce, driving an hour to get to family's house, and then eating for the next six hours. <laughs> okay, so you take a shower and then you open a can of cranberry sauce. I get it. I have to open three cans. Okay. <laughs> That's tough. That's a lot. And I'm going to put them into a jar. They're the stewed kind. They're like the the. The non-molded to the the can. Oh, oh, disappointing! Yeah, yeah. the can well, kind are the best. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to eat these. This is just what was requested by the family. I'm going to put them into okay. a gotcha. jar so it looks like I prepared them. Nuh-uh. Oh, for real though. That's amazing. I'm not going to take three cans to my family's house in Discovery Bay. They classy. Right. Did I ever tell you my, my friend used to do? Uh, my friend Brad um, would have like big potlucks every quarter at uh, Wells Fargo. Which they have an office around here, and uh, he would always bring mac and cheese. He would go to the store, get the Stouffer's family size mac and cheese. It's like what I gave out. Yeah, bake it in the oven, pull it out, dump it into a casserole dish, <laughs> put it, put some fresh cheese on it, put, put it, it back, back in, in the, the oven, oven to crisp it up, and that's what he would bring. That every oh boy. every time. <laughs> His oh, coworkers were like, "Dude, What's you, the I recipe? need the recipe. This is the best macaroni and cheese." <laughs> and they were going on about how like homemade food is so much better than store bought food. <laughs> oh, that's oh. nice. I love that's that. It's a good move, dude. So kudos to you, Beverly. Thank you. <clears throat> Can I tell you that if somebody were to try and give me Stouffer's mac and cheese and tell me that they made it, I would know for sure. I don't think you would. I don't think oh, you would. I think I guarantee you wouldn't. I, I think totally would. I think it would depend upon the type of cheese that was added into it. Hmm. While I mean, it was baked, because I mean, if you I throw in some sharp cheddar in there and mix it all around, it's gonna mask. Some it, well, of that. I'm saying just, I would know because it's so amazing. Like I know that flavor. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's, okay. What that's true. Saying. All right, that is like the best. But for real though, ever. the most amazing mac and cheese I've ever had. Terrence's mom. Oh, my yeah. mom really heals it with the mac and cheese. <sighs> She's a murderer. Like literally oh, every time so I see good. her, when Terrence's dad passed away, I was like, "Oh, is there mac and cheese here?" Huh. That's actually how it was. <laughs> it was like, hey, Terrence, I love you. Is there any mac and cheese here? I don't, I, that wasn't even the order. She actually came out with a plate of mac and cheese, halfway eating it. I'm roaring about your dad. Oh, my God. That's interesting. Wait, Beverly did that? Yeah. I don't believe it. Uh, right? She, she would never do that. She would either, never right? do that. Yeah. And then she probably had to lay on the couch because her stomach hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I feel better now. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's get Jeremy on the phone now. <laughs> probably a really good Well, I had idea. some other stuff to talk about, but um, we're not in the mood. <laughs> no, no, not that at all. It's just uh, you know we he's uh, he's he's at a different time than. Oh, that's true. It's like eleven. It's eleven ten there, yeah. Something over there, dude. Join us as we unravel the magic behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro time. This magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a spell Shivering, shivering. Oh, hey. <laughs> Jeremy, what's up, buddy? I don't know if I want to form a Spectro Radio Ears Up podcast running team with you guys, but I might. Ooh. That sounds like a sounds like a threat, really. Like a threat and a challenge all at once. I love it. <laughs> and an invitation. Is yeah. there is there a way for us to each have our own Disney theme music while we run? <laughs> 
like have like uh, an iPod with some kind of speaker on it, then you could pick up uh, pick out like personal music for us, like a jam box. Yes, yeah, we you could totally could do that. Jam boxes to our like our that belt. could work. That could work. Yeah. Right. I've toyed with the notion of because people go in costume, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and I've toyed with the notion of dressing up as Spectro Magic and having the music playing oh. as I'm running like all lit up. Oh, That'd be gosh. amazing. I would dress as um, Electrical Light Parade. I was going to say the Electrical Light Parade. Yeah, I could do the snail. This is amazing. <laughs> I think we might have something. I would here. totally do that. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. Yeah. How are you guys? I love the way the new studio looks. It's so much more like oh, um, now. Okay, warm and homey. Mm-hmm. It is. It, yeah, the, <laughs> the so color homey, tone homey. is a little is a little warmer. <laughs> it needs to be better lit. Uh, so I'm working on that too. See, I kind of like the lighting. It's mood lighting. The other one okay. was very like just bright. Huh. All right. It was very bright, and part of that was the the, the cameras were better, <laughs> so they <laughs> they compensated for the lower light, and they just washed everything out. Yeah. Uh, I cheaped out on the camera, twenty bucks. Um, hey, so maybe you know. maybe it works, man. Maybe, well, maybe you know, that's what you're tinker. About. It's a journey. <laughs> that's right. Like it it's looks- it's a marathon, not a sprint. I don't know. <laughs> it's a whole running thing. Uh, anyway, man, we are we're here and we're talking to you. What are you going to be teaching us about today, dude? All right. So tonight we're going to talk about the history of the Tomorrowland area music. Ooh. Nice. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Beep, boop, beep, boop. What was that? That, that, was, that was Taryn communicating with something. <laughs> Taryn is broken. I, I think she's she's running like tech support on her computer, so she's trying to speak binary. <laughs> okay. I thought that sounded like, like the area music. Beep boop, beep boop. Oh, it was, okay, it Isn't was. That I thought it was R2D2 or something. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Same, one of the same. Beep boop, beep boop. Beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after is a Terran that speaks the oh. binary language of moisture evaporators. <laughs> she gone. Uh, it's never dull okay. around here, Jeremy. All right. It's not, I, I've missed you guys. Okay. So we're going to go back to 1971. Just like we did when I came on and talked about the Main Street USA area music. Uh, because before that, we don't really know much about what happened in terms of area music and we don't, there, there, it's not thought that there was really much cohesive or coherent going on in, in the parks in terms of music, but 1971 came along and Jack Wagner was assigned the task of creating background music themed to each of the areas of Disneyland and the newly opening Magic Kingdom Park in Walt Disney World. This task was in addition to his primary role of being the voice of Disneyland and Walt Disney World. So just to get us warmed up, uh, we're going to start with a little tribute to the guy who gave us all these wonderful background loops. So take a listen to some of the places where you will have heard Jack Wagner throughout his more than 20 years as the voice of Disneyland and Walt Disney World number one, please. Your attention, please. The Disneyland Limited, now arriving from a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Christmas in Disneyland. Ladies and gentlemen, this evening's performance of Illuminations will begin in two minutes. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. The Main Street Electrical Parade. Wow, the uh, the old robot in the Main Street parade. That it's was my him. My favorite. Huh? That auto tune. Mm-hmm. 
Taryn can understand that very well. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no They're speaking my language. <laughs> Jeez. Glad so, someone can. For many areas of the park, uh, Wagner resourced material that was commercially available by artists um, in genres that reflected the mood for each area of the park. So for Main Street USA, he used um, the Gaslight Orchestra's Gay 90s Waltzes album. He used uh, Albert White and his Gaslight Orchestra and also a group called San Francisco Harry and the Barbary Coast Bandits, among others. But for Tomorrowland, he didn't use music that you could just uh, get by popping down to your local record store. So this huh. music he sourced um, tracks for the original Tomorrowland loop from media music releases from the Capital Me- from Capital Media Music Incorporated. Uh, what these releases were for was they were kind of meant to be used and licensed for things like TV commercials, movie trailers, um, radio ads. They were kind of like the stock photos of the music world of the middle of the last century. Okay. So these music releases came out every, a few times a year and they were organized into different genres. So you might get um, a, one that says uh, nature and it would all just be different tracks by different artists that were, that would evoke the feeling of nature, or you mm-hmm. might get industry or outdoor life. So Wagner utilized these releases to put together a music loop that evokes early 1970s perceptions of what the future sounds like. Number two. (laughs) I can only wait. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like the 80s. This is from the scene from... Future, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> that was bizarre. Quote, unquote. <laughs> huh. It kind of sounded like uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, or like um, you know, like an old, like a late 70s cop show. You know, yeah. yeah. Mavericks. Dun, 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 dun. The, the first part. Starring Leo. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> the first part sounded like uh, Revenge of the Nerds. The last song. The, clap your hands, everybody, everybody. and everybody, <laughs> clap your hands. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> Uh, Lambda, 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 and Omega Moo. Wow. I know, when it started to get into like... (laughs) And arrived by little old me, Lamar. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I have not seen that movie enough. Clearly me either. When it started getting into like the the real music, the real like, I don't know, melody part, it it reminded me of like like a soap opera. For sure, yeah, yeah that's kind of what I'm saying, very, right? Like, yeah. it's just like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. With the deep announcer voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the future. I'm always fascinated when, when artists uh, try to think of what's going to happen in the future and what pe- future. what things are going to be like, because it never really is. But maybe sometimes it is. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, you'll see some more recent, or you'll hear some more recent interpretations of the future, and we'll we'll see if they turn out to be true. Okay. <laughs> so that tr- that loop took us to 1983, the beginning of 1983. 
Around that time, something big happened in the Disney company, and that was the opening of... Dun, 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 dun. 1983. Well, he, like uh, the end, the beginning of 83, the end of 82. I was born. Star Fantasyland Tours? was redone. Star Tours. I was he born. Was. We're terrible. terrible. We're Disney <laughs> historians, Jeremy. <laughs> Can you tell? Cut it out. Epcot Center opened. Oh, right, right. You and your right. Disney World centric <laughs> view on life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Okay, Epcot. I loved Epcot. But it had effects that rippled across the nation. So (laughs) you had – so we are going to look at Florida for a second here. Okay. You had this gleaming, shining 1980s vision of the future. And four miles down the monorail track, you had this 60s version of the future. (laughs) So there was kind of a disconnect when Epcot first opened. Um, so they needed to make some changes to Tomorrowland. So 1983 didn't really present us with any major overhaul of Tomorrowland, but rather minor updates like the removal of the fountains, um, a new paint scheme with a new mosaic at the front, uh, as well as a new post-show and Epcot-style soundtrack for Space Mountain. And also, Jack Wagner went back to work creating a new soundtrack for the updated land. Usually... Wagner would use a variety of artists to create a loop for a a land. But this time, he created an entirely new loop all from one artist. Hmm. And that early 1980s artist was Mannheim Steamroller. Wow. Do you guys know? I've heard of that, but I don't know who it is. They're a band from the 80s. Okay. I'm gonna. You might recognize Mannheim Steamroller today. They're popular for their remakes of traditional Christmas music. Yeah. So, being that it is the night before Thanksgiving, you are positioned perfectly to start hearing some Mannheim Steamroller on the radio. <laughs> Yay! But I'm gonna give you some right now. So, could you please play number three, please? I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> That's my childhood for sure. <laughs> Your dad looks like a oh, Mannheim yeah. steamroller. I knew it fan. was familiar for a reason. Yeah. So he created an entire playlist uh, or entire loop from Mannheim steamroller with such tracks as Chocolate Fudge, Past the Keg, <laughs> wow. the first door, the fourth door, oh, the third door, the fifth door, the sixth door. Door seven and midnight on a full moon. <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. <laughs> Why switch it up at door seven? Like I just got lazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Save on print costs. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Take a listen to this brief montage of Mannheim Steamrollers 1983 Tomorrowland Music Loop number four. That's weird. 
<clears throat> That's weird. It got like, weird. It got really it got weird real there. Weird, man. I was really enjoying it. Yeah, because was... you're like, beep boop, beep boop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, where did I just go? <laughs> yeah, you were you were in the future. <laughs> yeah, welcome back, Taryn. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that lasted about seven years. 1990 <laughs> rolls around. And for some reason, the previous that that loop was retired in favor of another loop. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless transition. Yeah, not jarring at all. <laughs> there is no clear reason, though. So there wasn't any in 1990. We like we didn't get any major Tomorrowland renovation. Um, around 1991, a lot of the park area music did get swapped um, because it was believed to have happened in sync with the opening of Disneyland Paris. However, Disneyland Paris doesn't have a Tomorrowland. They have Discoveryland, which is like a Jules Verne themed look at the future. Mm-hmm. So that new age, like the new age loop wouldn't really make sense with that anyway. And indeed it wasn't used there. There is some speculation that at the time the Magic Kingdom was in the process of switching from reel to reel tapes over to CDs. And maybe that's the reason that they changed the music loop just because they had a reason to, but we can't be sure. So in 1990, we did get a new loop. This is a new age loop. Um, and this loop incorporates the works of various well-known New Age artists such as David Arkenstone, Vangelis, and David Lands. Take a listen to the 1990 loop, number five. No, that was MacGyver. Flash that dance. was Footloose. That first part was like I could just I could just feel my chakras aligning properly. I loved all of that. The first, <laughs> not the very weird. first part when it transitioned into the the second part where it got real weird. Yeah, it was like two songs playing on top of each other. Well, the, the, the guy in the back was like, oh. It's like a ween song, it actually. Like, it sounded just like a ween yeah. song. It sounded like Hall & Oates to me. Like the background of Hall & Oates. And I was like, I can get into this. Say the police. I like that. That was my favorite. Boop, 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 beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> All right. That was Taryn's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Elsewhere by Vangelis. In the second song was Nightfire Dance by Andreas Wallenweeder. Not and my jam. the last one was Generation by Peter Buffett. Okay. Oh. The, the Buffett. Peter Buffett. The Jimmy Buffett. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love it. So... 1994 shows up and uh, Tomorrowland gets a major renovation in Disney World. Disneyland's renovation followed in 1998. This renovation was inspired by the Jules Verne look of Disneyland Paris's Discovery Land, so there was a bit more of a metallic feel. Uh, shades of purple replaced the traditional white hues and light blue accents of the previous Tomorrowland. And the new loop for this Tomorrowland was a short loop. Uh, I think it only was about 15 minutes long. Of tracks all by composer Raymond Scott. Raymond Scott is the composer of music from all the Looney Tunes shorts. Okay. Hmm. And all of the audio came from a 1989 CD titled The Raymond Scott Project Volume 1. Now, apparently Raymond Scott was not too pleased that Disney was using his music for Tomorrowland. <laughs> right. 
And on the Raymond Scott website, RaymondScott.com, there is a page detailing public, public performances of his works. And this entry can be found. I will read it to you. Disneyland, or Tomorrowland, Walt Disney World, Orlando, Florida. Six Scott Quintet compositions and recordings blatantly used as mat- musical template for constantly running soundtrack loop at renovated theme park attraction. <laughs> Infringement settled out of court, 1995. Wow. Wow. Do we know how much it was settled for? He's an angry elf. <laughs> no, that's all I know. Oh, man. Raymond Scott. Apparently, Disney did not do their homework in seeking the license or the rights to play that in yeah. the park. Which wow. is weird to me because they're so strict about their licensing and and copyrights and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. crazy. So, um, so that got ripped out real quick and the previous um new age loop that i just played for you came back and that okay. that lasted until 2003 in 2003 we got a new loop uh this is the futuristic loop and this newest loop is proprietary so unlike before every previous time disney had gone out and used third party uh audio to make their loops i guess they were got burned with this raymond scott deal so like, well, let's make our own <laughs> yeah. They probably so, get soaked if they're going to do that, you know? Yeah. Their settlement was probably big. So um, this loop is proprietary, and it's really Disney. Uh, they remake futuristic Disney songs from the past. So it's a it's a compilation, really, of Miracles from Molecules, Strange Things, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, theme from Tron. And there is one track called Welcome to Tomorrowland. As far as I know... The Welcome to Tomorrowland track is the only one that has been commercially released, so I don't play any of this on my station because I legally can't. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be them. Right. Um, so uh, except for Welcome to Tomorrowland, which was on the 2006 Disneyland CD, which I cannot for the life of me get my hands on. I have every piece of Disney audio you can imagine. I do not have this, and it's killing me. <laughs> um, but it's on eBay for like $150. What? And like... Those are your red slippers. Those are your, uh, Dorothy's red slippers. No? What? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) That's like what everybody's always after is like her red slippers. Oh, because they can't, they disappeared. You can't find them. Yeah. I thought it was going to make me go home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah, no. I watched The Wizard of Oz like, it was on like a couple nights ago, wasn't it? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I was the only one home watching that. <laughs> okay. Um, Terrence is more of a fan of The Wiz. So. Yes, I am. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. I've never seen it. It's just fantastic. Oh, you should see it. I didn't see the NBC Live one, but I like the original oh, with, uh, with was, Diana Ross. Yeah, Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. But the um, NBC Live one with Queen Latifah. Was Beyonce? And- uh, no, it was, uh, I cannot remember what the leading lady's name was, but, uh, David Allen Greer of In Living Color fame. Oh, was yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But it was really good. It was really, really oh, good. Oh, it was. Yeah. A remake that oh, was good? A live remake that oh, was good. good. Yeah. Good. You don't hear about that. Uh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So that current background area music, uh, in Tomorrowland and, in- area in Tomorrowland at Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom has been featured at both parks since 2003 and is still running and has been also at Hong Kong Disneyland since 2005. Take a listen. Number six. (laughs) 
that they all go together. Yeah. They all match. I think that's a nice... I, I enjoy listening to that loop. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So that takes us to today, but we're not done. During special events, like the Halloween party, Disney changes the area music in various parts of the park, and Tomorrowland is included in that. Check out a track from the Tomorrowland <laughs> Halloween loop, number seven. Isn't that that disco version of uh, Beethoven's, what, seven, number Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what that is. Sinister or like a the culmination of like a disco movie. Like I see somebody yeah. driving in a car <clears throat> with an afro. So it's called Night on Disco Mountain. Oh, and like Night on Ball Mountain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. <laughs> of course it is. Mm-hmm. That makes okay. so much sense. But it doesn't stop at Halloween. Here is a brief montage of the Tomorrowland Christmas loop, which I think is appropriate for this evening. Number yeah. eight. Uh, everyone watch for Taryn to start crying. That was uh that was uh, was odd but yet oddly comforting at the same time. <laughs> I think I love Tomorrowland music. It's weird. I didn't I think know. I do too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you had no idea. I didn't. <laughs> so that was Carol of the Bells by William Joseph, Waltz of the Snowflakes by David Arkenstone, and Deck the Halls by none other than Mannheim Steamroller. I could have called that one. <laughs> We've got one more stop to make on this little journey. Okay. For the opening of Shanghai Disneyland, Disney created an entirely new Tomorrowland soundtrack to match the new park's updated Tomorrowland. Disney sought the services of a composer known as BT, which stands for Brian Transo. Transo is notable for having written the scores to the movies The Fast and the Furious, Stealth, and Monster, and who, along with his 11-year-old daughter, just happens to be a Disney junkie. Okay. Disney officials instructed Transo to create a soundtrack that matched the Tomorrowland theme of the intersection of man, nature, and technology. BT toiled for two years composing the music and wrote more than four hours of audio that flows out of more than 200 speakers throughout Shanghai's Tomorrowland. Part of his work has been released on the CD, The Music of Shanghai Disneyland, which has only been released so far in the Asian market, and the track is called Volcanoes Number 9.
was weird. That was like, it started with Adventureland, and then it went to Tomorrowland, and then it went to Fantasyland. That was so odd. It wasn't my favorite. It wasn't, the, the, it wasn't my favorite sample that we've uh, heard yeah. tonight. Hmm. Okay. Do you like? What do you think about it? I like it. Yeah. I think it's. It reminds me. I actually went to check to see if he wrote the soundtrack to The Martian because I felt that it sounded a lot oh. like that. Interesting. But I mean, yeah, but he didn't. <laughs> but um, it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know, I, I I guess reminding me again that he is a film composer. Mm. It, it is very. It's more cinematic, where the other ones are very. Uh, I don't know, much more melodic, and this is more, maybe more designed to be background, so it's not as like up and mm-hmm. down all over the place. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was it. Yeah, there's some. There's I liked some it. Art- don't get me wrong, I liked it. There's some articles out there, and he talks a bit in depth about how he was. First of all, how Asian area music is plays with the environment different than what we look for. Oh, really? And so, so that was something that he worked for, and he, I think mm. he might. Well, I don't want to say, um, but uh, so that was something that he strived for, and um, he wanted to really make it harmonious, and so that you you hear it, but you don't focus on it, so it just sort of plays in the background. So that might be, and I think mu- movie music is meant to do that. It's supposed to sort of sit back from the action on the screen, but kind of just help it along. So that might be, yeah, I to, did. to your point, why that's like that. I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think I am right. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's all I heard. I'll just cut to the chase and say, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be no living with him after this. No, yeah. no. But you could marry him. That's that's the that's key. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I'd like to give credit to a blog called Passport to Dreams.blogspot.com. Also a website called Disney Avenue. Uh, they've got a lot of great info out there. Um, they provided, there was quite a bit that I took from those guys, um, cool. Cool. as well as many other places. But there was a, a, a a large part there, so I just wanted to call them out. They've nice. done a lot of work in researching, particularly the early stuff. Like, these guys have been watching old home movies and trying to figure out what was playing in the background. I mean, you gotta, like, wow. I have no patience to do that, so God <gasps> bless them. That's yeah. crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> Everyone needs a hobby. Yeah. Man. <laughs> well, Jeremy, one. Yeah. Yeah. stellar performance as usual. I appreciate it. I, I think it was really good. I like that. I think you did a good job, my friend. I can almost well, promise you that whole thing was better than my portion of the show tonight. <laughs> I, uh, no, I doubt it. You guys do such a good job. Like, you know, I'm always like, I've got to try to live up to this because it's oh, like, well. all right. Well, it was certainly better than the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah. That I'll agree with. <laughs> but it was fun. I, I liked watching like all the background stuff. It was like watching the outtakes. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we try. We 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 try to limit our outtakes, but uh, it's really all acting. We did it on yeah. purpose. It's all a show. You know, it's all a show. We're professionals. All right, Jeremy. Thanks, my friend. Great. Are you guys doing two shows tonight? Am I staying up till two or no? What? We're no. only doing one show. So, okay. well, I mean, since you're here, I was going to bring it up when you left. Um, so we're kind of trying a new format where we're just doing one show at a time. Uh, we mm-hmm. like listening back. Uh, we, well, first of all, we were doing two shows at once because we kind of had to with the studio, but now we have this. And listening back, some of the shows, uh, you can tell which show was recorded first and which one <laughs> wasn't because it's like 9.30 and we're all kind of low energy and whatever. So we're trying this out just to see what happens. So we'll be, we'll be doing them every two weeks at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, who, who knows? We'll, we'll see. Well, that's good because then yeah. if I don't, you know, if I miss one and I'm not, you know, I won't be gone for forever. That's right. So that's good. Yeah. Cool. 
All right, dude. Thanks Have again, a happy Jeremy. holiday, everybody. You too. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye, friend. Night. That's Good. quickly becoming my favorite segment. I know. He's the best. He's way better than us. Us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean. You can't. We can't all be uh, perfect. Uh, so yeah, that was our that was our big news. Some of our big news. Uh, heading back to the beginning of the show. Oh, I didn't play them out. Oh. Um, that was kind of our news. We're we're you know like I said we're redoing how we're recording the shows, but uh, don't worry, you'll still get the same amount of content every month. Uh, get off the ledge. Don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. It's gonna be fine. Still playing with these compression knobs here. Um, another cool thing we're doing is we're, most of us, maybe, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see if Terrence uh, gets on board. We're going to Walt Disney World in 2018. Yep. Are, Are you, you coming? Terrence? Yeah, I'm planning on it. So if you guys want to... Do, you know, do you know how much I believe you? <laughs> About this um, Taking bets. <laughs> It's like a year and a half away. Yeah. Half away, I dude. want to go. Yeah. It's plenty but. of time to, to, to lock it down, down, right? I'm locked, I'm locked down. I'm in. Okay. It's I'm Becca. down. There it's we Becca. go. There we she go. She can go if she wants to. <laughs> she can go if nice. she wants to. So if anybody wants to come along, uh, we're going to be there around, uh, we're going to be there in time for the food and wine festival, which is September in Epcot. So September 18. Just 2018. Wanted to be clear that we would also be going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter on this trip. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. No, we're doing that for sure. Great. Um, and so then I'm then I'm back in. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you want to, you know, uh, if you want to come uh, be in Disney World the same time we are, that's that's when we're going to be September 2018. And uh, you know, I'm sure we'll announce it at some point once those dates are announced, and we'll pick on the uh, which concert we want to go to. Hopefully, Christopher Krause Yes. Is going to be there, or well, I think what last year they had like. Bell Biff DeVoe or oh, Tony, 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 Tony or something like that. Yeah, Wilson yeah. Phillips yeah. generally shows up. Oh. <clears throat> so it's going to be a battle. Tony, that Tony, Tony would be happen. amazing as well, man. That would be pretty to good. introduce Abby to that. Yes. To Tony, Tony, She'll Tony? No, no, to Wilson Phillips. Why do you say that? Like Tony, Tony, Tony isn't better than Wilson Phillips? I don't Apparently know who not. Tony, Tony, Tony is. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm sure if I heard a song, I would know it, but I don't know them by name. Neither do I. It's fine. Well, they have the same I'm name. I'm the same person who thought so. Hall and Oates was one guy named Holland Oates. Holland, first name Holland, last name Oates. Hey, what's your name? Hall. And what's no. your last name? And Oates. Holland. No, Holland. his first name was Holland. Holland. Huh. Holland Oates. He's a hipster. And Holland Oates. I, I realized this. I, I came to this conclusion about a year ago, but oh, that's you know, good. for a long time. Good, good for you. About a year ago. Uh, all right, Taryn, do we have feedback? We do. All right, go for it. All right. Um, the first one is uh, from Rich. Hi, Jason. What's up? Uh, thanks for the Very shout much. out. Thanks for the shout out on the pod. So here's an update. We went to the park and we're going to try the churro challenge. My daughter Presley was going to have one with me. We started off right with a churro in downtown Disney. Once we got into the park, our first stop was Adventureland. Defeat. No churro cart in sight. It wasn't open that day. Terrence is very upset right now. (laughs) Strike one. We got a churro in every other land. As we made our way to Toontown, strike two. No churro cart was out. Not willing to admit defeat, we had another in Fantasyland. And um, all told, it was a great day in the park, and hopefully next time we can do do it for real. Until then, see you in the park, Rich. P.S. Love the pod uh, about cosplay. My family cosplays, and we have a photo booth business started for cosplayers. Keep up the good work. Um poserpix.net p o s e r p i c 
S.net. That's cool. So that's cool. Um, Very awesome. Yeah. And so I would say that he, you know, I understand he wants to do the, the for real every land, but he did it. He did. It sounds like he did because he did one in DCA and then went to the park. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think we can fault him for that. Terrence, I don't know. You're the ultimate it's arbiter. His, it's not his fault, so, right? It's had, they, had they been open, I feel that he would have completed this challenge. No, he got I, seven churros, it sounds no, like. No, I know, but we're not going by just strictly the number. We're going by the lands in which they're consumed. Well, true. You're, you're right. So, but I don't want to be a stickler, but... So what do you so what do you do if your churro cart is down? Yeah. That's a whole show right there. <laughs> I mean, do you go to, like, Adventureland, buy one, and then go to Tomorrowland and eat it in Tomorrowland? No, That's what I would do, but I'm pur- crazy. You have to purchase it from the land. So but if there's no option to do that, what do you do? You don't get to complete the challenge. Oh. Hmm. That's not fair. That's rough. Terrence is harsh. That's kind of rough. It's just not fair. <laughs> you know what? Life, Life isn't, isn't fair. fair. Oh, shut up. True <laughs> challenges is not fair. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, no hmm. honestly. Okay. What's up that you get to be the Yoda of all things Churro? I'm not the Yoda of all things. Well, it, I'm the is, master of all things. It is churro. pulling a Terrence. Thank true. Thank you. That's true. <laughs> and I believe he was a Jedi master. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Don't um, don't overthink it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. I um. You know. I, uh, I want to give mean, it to him, but yeah. then the problem is, is that if I give it to him, someone will be like, "Yeah, I went to." Rainforest Cafe, and they had a churro <laughs> dessert there. Sure. I had a, what is I that had, not count? I had no. seven churros. Yeah, so I, I well, the mean, good news is Rich isn't asking for it. He's saying he wants to try and do it for real next time. Oh well, that's fine. Then he acknowledges that I'm he didn't do it for real. I'm just saying maybe hmm. he kind of already did, but I maybe I'm I'm, I'm with too you. Easy. He, no, I he, agree with yeah. you. He ate seven churros. <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> yeah, he ate seven which is churros. a feat in itself, but he did not pull a Terrence. He did not pull a Terrence. No, yeah. He did not have a churro. Well, and, and I feel he, better about it because he himself is admitting that. Mm-hmm. Right. But if he had said, look, dude, it, it was closed. I don't get there very often. I would have given it to him. Yeah. I would have given it to him. Oh, I totally would have. Yeah. But that's not what he's saying, so. Okay. All right. Well, All there right. you go. Better <laughs> luck next time, bro. Bring right. some Tums. <laughs> right. Whatever. <sighs> I got your back, bro. <laughs> Uh, next one is from Steve. Just listening to the podcast with Kyle. Really great show, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about Shanghai, especially since I was there a few weeks ago for 10 days. I really want to hear about the ideas um, about the park. Like, one, why can you see the castle? Why why can you see the castle from every spot in the park? And two, what was the reason for not hiding attraction attraction sightlines? For instance, you can see Adventure Isle Mountain from Tron. I can come up with more, but these just came uh, came to me at work, and I thought I'd best write them down. Love the podcast. So when we get Kyle back, we'll have to reference back to this because he's got some questions. For sure, yeah. That's that is strange. I didn't realize that you could see certain things from certain things. I mean, yeah. but you can see like uh, you know uh, New Orleans Square from Big Thunder Mountain. I don't know how I don't know how much it matters. You can see Tomorrowland from Big Thunder Mountain. Yeah, yeah. they can't hide everything, and. I- and, and you actually see the Star Wars land from Big Thunder Mountain. Sure, yeah. The way they're building it right now. So. Well, and at Disney World, I think you can see the castle from everywhere. I think, yeah. I think it's huge. You yeah. can at Disneyland. But. And in DCA, you can see tons of things from Tower <laughs> from of Terror. not fun rides to yeah. <laughs> places to go have a beer. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, okay, anything else? Uh, I got a couple more. All right. Um, I was hope- this, is, this is from Dan. 
I was hoping to use this opportunity to put this out there. Can people please stop doing the narration with the ride? Oh, thank you, Dan. <laughs> I feel like Jason will agree here, seeing yes. how it is neither funny nor fun. <laughs> Look, it's good to like things, but let the rides be the rides. They don't need your help. It isn't cute. It's irritating. People who do this are are similar to people who feel the need to go through the entire Monty Python bits in full accent and expect it to uh, expect it to not take something away from the original. I get it. You've ridden the rides all all the times. Wait, what? You've ridden the thing all the times ever, so you know. I'm sorry. This is. You, you've ridden the tough. thing all the times, and yes. you know everything about it. Basically. Great. Yes. Thank you. Great. Beep we all have. <laughs> I know. I'm having a hard time reading right now. I haven't right even now. read it, and I, I knew what he was saying. <laughs> you definitely did. Um but thinking, but thinking this is cool is like trading in a social social currency that doesn't exist. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> also, maybe set aside your AP privilege and consider uh, consider that it's likely someone's first time on the ride. So give them the courtesy of having an actual first time with the ride as it was intended. Completely agree. Together we can find a way out. May Lord Cthulhu's blessing be upon you. And then he follows up with, quote unquote, AP privilege is super fun to say in the voice and cadence of a second year liberal arts student who just discovered activism. <laughs> Dan is funny. AP privilege. <clears throat> AP privilege. Yeah, you know, he's right. And, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty much only in the Haunted Mansion. Oh, That's yes. where everybody does it. And they, they go through the narration, which yeah. is kind of why I like, one other reason why I like the um, Halloween overlay because nobody knows it. Yeah. Right, right. And because when we were there a couple weeks ago, it was like, I I remember looking to you and I'm like, nobody's saying the the narration because nobody knows it yet. Yeah. And I like that. That's really nice. Also, can we as a species stop screaming as soon as the lights go out? Because I'm going to stab somebody in the neck. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it makes me so, it makes me kind of anxious. Right. And and it's it's weird, right? Because... because we're all trying to celebrate this thing, right? We're here to enjoy the thing. And, you know, if you talk over the thing and make it about you, it's not about the thing that we're all here to see. It's about you and how cool you are, air quote. Right. Not to mention we you just possibly stand in, stood in line for an hour, right? right? To hear you scream. To hear somebody else screaming. <laughs> right. Like, and, and speaking over the narration, yeah, we understand. You've read the thing, yeah. the thing, ridden the thing. All the times. You're a super fan. You know everything. You're yeah. a Disney super fan, bro. Shut your mouth. They are so much cooler than everybody Put on else. some shorts to fit. Yeah, I mean, and right, and I get it. I Look, I get it. You're excited to be there. Mm-hmm. It's a cool thing, whatever. But just, yeah, buy the CD, stay at home, and you know, yes. let other people experience it. I agree. I uh, got one last one. Okay. This is from Donald. Uh, he has a suggestion. I am currently listening to the latest episode. In regards to your big 100-episode gathering, why don't you crowdfund, uh, GoFundMe or something, uh, you can preset donation prices to pay for tickets, uh, swag, etc., and get the money from the listeners uh, by a set date with time uh, to make these things happen, i.e. down payment for a venue, money to make a t-shirt order for the event, and have these items in hands to give attendees. Just a thought. Yeah, it's a, it is a thought, and we'll 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 end up doing that. I just I just really want to make sure that everyone shows up first, or that everyone <laughs> wants to go before I put up forth the effort. Because before we do that, we have to put a down payment. Uh, we have to 
put a deposit for the place, for the space, no matter where we go. Yeah, at some point so, soon we're going to have to lock something down. Right, and that's going to be well before anybody decides to, uh, you know, pay for the crowdfunding thing. So it's a good idea. Um, you know, we'll be selling tickets, and that's how we're going to be able to, to pay for a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, we'll keep you posted, that's for sure. Notice he didn't say that he would go. <laughs> that's all I want. That's true. That's all I want to know. A lot of other Are people you gonna did, go? All right, good. I'm just not reading theirs right now. Okay. Because that was enough for yeah, that's fine. this episode. Uh, all right, Taryn, are you ready for the history of Alice in the Wonderland of the teacups? Sure. <laughs> Can all I just right. do it in beep-boop, beep-boop? <laughs> yes, beep-boop. that would be highly entertaining. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, it'd be better. <laughs> Aw. Um, okay. Um, today I'm going to take you through the history of Alice in Wonderland ride. Um, in order to understand this ride fully, though, I think it's important to know just a little bit about how Dis- how the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland came to fruition. Uh, basically, in 1933, well, all throughout Walt's career, he's kind of had this weird obsession with Alice in Wonderland, just the story in general. Yeah. Um, in 1933... Uh, Walt met with uh, America's sweetheart, Mary Pickford, who uh, was an early Hollywood pioneer. Uh, she was the co-founder of the film studio United Artists and uh, one of the original 36 founders of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. She's, she's a big name. Um, they shared a, a passion for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, so much so that um, it's not really clear who approached whom on creating this joint project, but uh, dis- and, and but either way, somebody approached somebody and they wanted to make this happen, some sort of project. At the time, they were kind of thinking half animation, half um, uh, live action. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, there's not a ho- there aren't a whole lot of details about that, but they wanted a project to happen. Um, despite pushback from Pretty much most of Hollywood, uh, who thought that the story of Alice in Wonderland was too discombobulated um, to be done well, and there was a lack of enthusiasm from each of their own business advisors on both sides. Um, but despite this, the two pushed on, um, agreeing that, quote-unquote, capable businessmen should not be expected to have an artistic vision that uh, creative-minded people have. Oh. So pretty much they just... They they were kind of going off of a whim. Um, sadly, even though uh, they both had extreme enthusiasm for this idea and this concept, um, the the project never really jumped off the ground. Uh, they they personally never found a solid foundation for their their own partnership. Um, not in a good or bad way. They just it just never really connected. Okay. And um, after some copyright complications uh, that arose from Paramount's claim that they had already bought the Alice in Wonderland rights outright in England, um, even though Walt had previously heard that there that Alice in Wonderland wasn't actually ever copywritten, there was kind of this convoluted stuff going on, and the project just fizzled. Okay. Just didn't happen. That's too bad. Um, yeah. So, of course, Walt being Walt, uh, couldn't let go of the idea of making an Alice in Wonderland film, but there were always issues with the story itself. Um, it's a story that is completely nonsensical. Uh, <laughs> so how do you develop a viable plot out of nonsense? Um, and then there was Seinfeld. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> at one point uh, in the 1940s, he asked... Uh, Richard Fleitcher 
a popular writer at the time, to think about the story and, if possible, to come up with some sort of treatment that he could present. Uh, Fletcher did, uh, but it included a prince who was turned into a playing card, and at the end, he stood trial where Alice saves him. Okay. Strange. Right. That's very strange. Strange. Um, That didn't really pan out, of course. Uh, It's not the story we know. Um, Over the course of the next decade, uh, Walt had several other writers weigh in, um, even creating full scripts. Uh, Al Perkins, uh, Walt decided his script was too grotesque. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want to read that. Right? Um, Aldous Huxley's script was too literal. Uh, to the original story, so I assume that means a little nonsensical. Um, and finally, uh, it was uh, background artist Mary Blair had submitted concept drawings that moved away from Sir John uh, Tenniel's sketchy illustrations that I think you're probably all familiar with if you have any version of Alice in Wonderland book. His sketches are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, this her her concept drawings moved away from this and took a mo- little bit more of a modern and bold approach. And Walt liked uh, Blair's designs, and uh, basically the script was rewritten to focus more on comedy, music, and a more whimsical side of Carol's books based on those designs. So the actual script for Alice in Wonderland was sort of written opposite of what most things were written at the time. So okay. the script was written after the concept drawings. The concept, okay. Um, in 1951, the animated version of Walt Disney's Alice in Wonderland is finally released. So now we have this happy, colorful, more comedic version of Alice in Wonderland that we are all familiar with today. And I am definitely not talking about the Johnny Depp version. (laughs) I will not be talking about that version. That, that is, has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. That is your Star let's, Wars one two three. Let's just for refer us. to that as th- didn't that happen. Who just shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so now on to the ride. Originally, um, <laughs> of course, Walt had planned on having an Alice walkthrough. Because why not? Right. <laughs> why make a ride when you can walk through it? He loved walk. walkthroughs, dude. Man. That guy was all about him. He liked museums. I, I yeah. guarantee you yeah. this man loved him a museum. Totally. I think you're I think you're totally right. It's kinda strange, but it's also really good that he also really liked technology and <laughs> innovation and yeah. so right. those generally didn't happen. But um so on opening day in nineteen fifty five, um <laughs> as usual uh, or as has happened in the past, due to budget uh, restrictions, uh, his plan for the Alice walkthrough was completely scrapped in favor of the Fantasyland Theater, which was cheaper to make, and that uh, actually stood where Pinocchio's Daring Journey lives today. Okay. Um, you can look up some photos of that. It looks like a janky little theater. Okay. Um, Thankfully, uh, the walkthrough idea was totally canned, and a couple of years after Disneyland opened, Arrow Development manufactured a new Alice in Wonderland dark ride. Uh, this ride was actually different than the other dark rides in the park already, uh, because instead of the ride being entirely inside of, uh, of the flat castle walls, you know, in the early Disney photos, like the whole thing, like it's like an extension of the castle. So this was the only ride that was not a part of that. It was not inside of the castle. Uh, the ride's exterior was filled with, um, oversized oversized blades of grass, uh, towering dandelions, and even, of course, the giant mushroom that served as the ride's ticket booth. That's right. Um, excuse me. 
the Caterpillar vehicles uh, that we all know and love, or at least me, uh, moved <laughs> along the winding path of, a gi- of giant leaves, which helped create the illusion that the guests were shrinking to a tiny size. Yeah. This attraction... <laughs> <laughs> huh. All coming together. Huh. Um, this slow on the update. This attraction also differed from the other dark rides in that the vehicle's path involved both upward and downward inclines, so they used three wheels instead of the standard four. Uh, the 1958 version of the ride was adapted from the animated feature by Imagineer Claude Coates. And like the movie, it had little in common with Lewis Carroll's books, naturally. The original ride, uh, was set, or I'm sorry, the, the original ride was created using wooden 2D cutouts of sets and characters, and it had some scenes that were not part of the movie at all, like an upside down room, and rooms with giant oversized furniture to make the rider feel small. Which is fine. You know, I mean, what? This is 1958. What? <laughs> right. When I was, right. When, it was probably great. Right. When I was yeah. reading things, people people uh, on forums and things were talking about how, like, this is so ridiculous. And I don't know. To me, it, if you look back at the photos, they still look, they're drawn really well. They're just 2D. What do you expect? Yeah. Um. Although, you know. Apparently a lot more. Right. Well, in 1983, they got it. Okay. Uh, the ride was updated. Uh, as part of an overall refer- refurbishment of Fantasyland. So, I don't, I think Jason may have been the only one born. <laughs> in what year? Oh, no, yeah, you were born too. What year? 1983. 1983? I was born in 1983. Me yeah. too. But that's when, so Fantasyland was all completely redone. Yeah. In that time. That's I'm correct. Like they basically like gutted it, right? Yeah, all those walls like they moved that... Things all, they moved things around. I think so. I don't know too much about it. That could be a whole show. Yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah. I, I I really don't know too much about it, yeah, other it, than it happened. They took it from a, a medieval theme to being um, like a quaint European village like kind a of a villa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the major overhaul. And, of course, um, Alice in Wonderland was part of this. Um, during this uh, renovation or refurbishment... Um, the upside down and the oversized rooms were completely eliminated, and the Mad Hatter's unbirthday scene was moved to the very end of the ride, which means okay. that it was not at the end of the ride. So yeah. I wonder where it was. It's very interesting. Mm. Um, let's see. The 2D sets were replaced with more realistic-looking 3D versions, uh, including some animatronic features. And a new narration track by Catherine Beaumont, the original voice of Alice, was also recorded for the update, which to me I think is the most important part. Mm -hmm. Um, Also in 1983, in an effort to create a more unified theming in Fantasyland, the Mad Tea Party attraction was relocated to the rear of Fantasyland, which is exactly what you were just talking about. Um, Previously it had been where the uh, carousel is today. Okay. And now they moved it to where it's at today, which is right uh, adjacent to the Alice in Wonderland ride. Uh, the ride took longer than the rest of Fantasyland. Or, I'm sorry, uh, the Alice in Wonderland ride took longer than the rest of Fantasyland updates, but eventually reopened in 1984. Uh, so now, skipping ahead a few decades, really not much happened. <laughs> uh, between 84 and 2010. Okay. So on July 15, 2010, the ride was temporarily shut down when OSHA discovered mm-hmm. that it lacked handrails on the second-story exterior track. 
So it took OSHA that many years to yeah. discover that, which yeah. I, I find so fascinating. I think that they were kind of in there for because there uh, other places in the park got hit. I think that was the year that that Space Mountain got shut down yeah. because I think it was maybe yeah. that the, the worker falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think they just so kind of went through and just flying. like yeah. Yeah, so... How many citations can we write? Right? That's All my theory. Them. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I, I, I have a feeling those things are not unrelated. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun to talk to somebody from OSHA that, like, deals with this. Uh, no, it wouldn't. They, they wouldn't talk to us, but it might. it'd be fun. Well, you can go online and look at all the... Oh, really? ...the things that uh, Disney has. And I think we've done that once on the show early on. There was like an article about OSHA and Disney working with OSHA and all that kind of stuff, and there were all the citations that they've gotten, I oh, believe, yes. are online, I right? That. Yes. Yeah, and it's pretty much normal stuff, yeah. you know. Well, this one shut down the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, about a month later, the ride reopened with new temporary safety rails. Um, and and then I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably remember that the ride shut down again um, on March 10th, 2014, for an extended refurb. And this was the first like big uh, refurbation since 1984. Um, the ride now included many new elements using digital imagery and effects. Uh, this included footage taken from the film itself, as well as new animation created for the ride, which I didn't know. I didn't realize that they no, did a mix of both. Yeah. And for some reason, I just never really thought that they would take footage from the actual film. I would always assume they'd make new stuff, but I thought right. that was kind of cool. Um, also, new Alice figures, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, were added to the Tugley Woods and uh, the Mad Tea Party scenes. Also... Um, the outdoor second story track was widened and themed and themed safety reels were added to the left side of the vehicle path. And that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much the history. There's not a whole lot more that I could find. Like this this ride isn't that dramatic, I guess. Um right. but I will say one little small tidbit that I found was a couple people on the internet, uh, in the internet world, seem to claim that Walt has always regretted creating this ride. Mm, okay. um, potentially the movie as well, but like always just regretted that whole decision. And I couldn't find anything to substantiate that. So I, that's why I didn't want to like report it as fact because I have no idea. Sure. There's no quotes that I could find from Walt or anything like that. Yeah. It's just people are saying that he s- said, he regrets the Alice in Wonderland decision and that he didn't like the way it turned out. But again, hmm. okay. so it's interesting. If, if anybody out there knows anything about that, I'd love to hear about it because it would also be a little depressing because this is my favorite ride <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite movie. And your favorite movie. <laughs> right. And to yeah. find out that Walt hated it, I'd be a little depressed. But I would like to know. I think that's odd. Yeah, that's strange. But, yeah. I mean, I can imagine he didn't like everything that happened. Right. Um. But that one in particular, that's weird. Well, and also because it's kind of one of the bigger ones. It, a yeah. lot of people like this That's movie why we can't lot. go on it all the time because the line is so <laughs> huge of, and that, that has such a low awful. ride-through rate, man. It's yeah. tough. It's tough to get on that ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job, Taryn. Thanks. I always like how you can't sit um, in the front. Oh, yeah, like, if you're only two people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two to the back. Oh, God. Y'all going to fall over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder, that's probably because move it to the back fatty. Right. No, I bet it's because the three wheels. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Probably. Because it doesn't have enough support in the front. Abby loves it, though, because she gets to ride by herself in the front. <laughs> okay, so you know how sometimes we uh, we like to announce when certain people are going to Disneyland, and they use these uh, moments in our show to surprise their loved ones. 
Uh, well, check this out. Uh, Nana and Papa are taking George, Cat, and Peter to Disneyland. Aw, th- these December. are my favorite. They're pretty good, right? I love them. I like that. So, George, Cat, and Peter, you guys have fun at Disneyland in December, and uh, be sure to thank your Nana and Papa uh, for the uh, for the trip. That's pretty cool. I love it. That's uh, let's cool. do some Disney news. Okay. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. All right. Thank you, announcer man. Um, speaking of Epcot Center, Disney confirms major transformation at Epcot and rumors are flying. Oh. Uh, um, apparently, there's something called the Destination D fan event this past weekend. Uh, Bob Chapik, the chairman of Disney Parks and Resorts, announced that Epcot would be receiving, quote, a major transformation that would help transition the park into being more Disney, timeless, relevant, family-friendly while keeping the original version alive, or excuse me, original vision. Chappick stated that the design team was told to, quote, dream big with what they wanted to do to the third oldest Disney park in the world. No other details were confirmed by Disney, but this announcement does line up with strong rumors uh, that have been reported on for months. Future World uh, would likely see the biggest changes. Initial budget rumors pointed to Epcot receiving roughly three to $400 million dollars Wow. Of a $3.5 billion greenlit for updates across Walt Disney World. And now it looks like Epcot will be receiving two to three times that initial budget. A big part of the increase is right is likely due to aging infrastructure that needs to be replaced across a theme park. Many of the buildings scattered around Future World date back to the park's opening in 1982. While some of these buildings have been remodeled over the years, no uniformed update has been, has, excuse me, has taken place across the park. The rumors for Future World range from small updates to entire attractions being replaced. Entrance Plaza updates should include removing the Leave a Legacy tombstones, um, the columns, and a major overhaul to the entrance fountain. Remember that? So th- those of you who've been to, to, to Epcot, you get off the monorail, and there's this big fountain, there's a whole thing, and there's these weird columns. And I was like, why are these... Yeah. They're like obelisks. They're just very weird. It's like a stone... Uh, weird. Maybe they'll Make build some fun. shade. They need to build some shade, yeah, dude. Um, the former Innoventions building are, uh, buildings are rumored to be gutted, with all wiring and plumbing in the buildings being replaced. The Starbucks will likely see an expansion. <laughs> well, of course. And the Electric Umbrella Counter Service Restaurant, we ate there, um, <laughs> yeah. will likely see an expand. Uh, no, excuse me, will uh, be downsized and given a new menu update. Mouse Gears, one of the largest gift shops at WDW, will be replaced with a new gift shop. Uh, Future World has plenty of rumors to choose from. The strongest involved the indoor Guardians of the Galaxy themed coaster, replacing the Universe of Energy. Um, I'm okay with that. It will not be replacing the uh, the Disney World Tower of Terror. It sounds it sounds like a lot of the updating they're doing like has to be done, like new electrical, mm-hmm. new plumbing, like right. that's all like, that infrastructure. Yeah, um, Mission Space, remember that ride? Oh, yeah, that like was that cool um, with Gary Sinise Gary telling Sinise. you how to get to Mars. <laughs> uh, has been rumored for some time to be getting an update. The scale of which varies according uh, which varies according to who you talk to. Rumors range from a complete demo to a simple update to the visuals on the ride. Test track, the Chevy test track, will not likely receive any noticeable updates. Um, another rumor involves a replica of Hong Kong Disneyland's Mystic Manor. Both Ratatouille and Mystic Manor involves trackless ride systems similar to the Antarctica at SeaWorld Orlando. 
Mystic Manor in Hong Kong does have a strong connection to the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. Blah blah blah. That's going to be coming. Uh, it's going to be uh, getting a larger influence in the Disney parks in years to come. Does it say when they're doing all this stuff? Soon. And it's going to last how long? Yeah, I'm being real selfish about this, but I feel like that's really going to interrupt our trip. Yeah, and I'm, I, I'm only going for Epcot. Kinda, oh, yeah. That's kind of the only thing to go to <laughs> for. Well, we'll you know we'll see. We can always plan it again. It's fine. Mm, that's true. I'm not concerned about it. Um, speaking of being not concerned, I don't know. <coughs> forcing a segue. Good segue. Good transition. Um, Hong Kong Disney gets a 1.4 billion dollar expansion. What? With a frozen themed area. Ugh. I've been saying it for years now. Yeah. That's good. It's Is it good. cold in Hong Kong? I don't know. That's a bizarre okay, question. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm being really stupid right now. Hong Kong is in Japan. China. Yes. China. It, no, it's in Japan. It's, it's right next to Fukushima. In, no, it's in China. Yes, it's it's okay. it's the so hold on, hold on, everybody. The Walt Disney oh, Company and Hong, Hong Kong. Kong, is Hong Kong. <sighs> <sighs> beep boop beep boop. <laughs> I feel like. We're both really stupid yeah. right now. I'm let's sorry. let's we'll we'll deal with it later. Uh, the Walt Disney Company in Hong Kong <laughs> are launching a 1.4 billion dollar expansion of the Southern Chinese City's D- uh, Disneyland Resort oh. that includes the company's first themed areas based on the movie Frozen and Marvel superhero characters. The Hong Kong government, which owns a controlling stake in the resort, which is why I'm reporting, I think this is hilarious, uh, said Tuesday it signed an agreement with Disney for the expansion, which also calls for renovating the park's castle and adding an attraction based on Disney's new animated film Moana. Work on the $10.9 billion, uh, billion Hong Kong dollar, which is $1.4 billion to us, is scheduled to run from 2018 to 2023. They are striving to improve its competitiveness as an Asian tourism destination following the June launch of Shanghai Disney, uh, which many fear would be siphoning off visitors from uh, mainland Chinese visitors to the Hong Kong park. Uh, Hong Kong Disneyland, here it goes, lost 148 million Hong Kong dollars. <clears throat> I don't know. The, they don't do the conversion, which is very weird. If you're going to report one currency, then keep it consistent all yeah. the way through, dude. Yeah. You're, you're, this person, you know, uh, Kelvin Chan from AP, like you know anything. <laughs> <clears throat> um, it's most recent f- uh, financial year as attendance fell 9% following three years of profit. The Ooh. park, which opened in 2005, was criticized in its early years for being too small and having too few big ticket rides. New attractions and facilities have been added over the years and Iron Man Land is due to open in January. Iron Man Land. Hmm. Go figure. I just, what are you going to do, man? Okay. Um, followed by an Explorer's Lodge hotel later in the year, which is maybe that secret society of explorers. I honestly don't know much about that. Um, costs will be divided according to ownership with the Hong Kong government, which owns 53% of the park, Whoa. contributing $748 million. Walt Disney will put in the remaining $6.58 billion. See, I think that I think that I think this person is saying the Hong Kong is going to contribute 748 million Hong Kong, and Disney is going to put in the remaining billion. I, this person's they they meant million, they didn't mean billion. Uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting, mainly because Hong Kong government owns 53 percent of yeah. Hong Kong Disneyland, man. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, that's like uh, in Japan, Disney doesn't own it at all. I think no, they they own some of it. I think it's like forty percent or eighty percent or something like that. I think that they they 
rent or like they lease the, yeah. the everything from them. I, from the I think they do too, but I still think they have ownership. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a good there's use, another show. Yeah, yeah, use the likenesses or whatever. This um, forgot what they um, forgot how they license it because I was looking into okay. it as well. But I, I yeah. I'm pretty sure that they don't own it at all. Oh, it's okay. Just, yeah, it's mm. kind of it's, it's weird. It's odd. It's, it's really odd. weird. Speaking of odd. Oh, wait. Not a good segment. I had a, I'm sorry, before you move on to odd. Yeah. I had a question. Um, no, we're still there. Don't worry. <laughs> cool. Was was Hong Kong, obviously Hong Kong was there before Shanghai. Was Is it very successful? Uh, well, it seemed like they were, they were having three yeah. years of profit, and then this year they're kind of just, it reduced 9%. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know much about it. a result of Shanghai? That's what people are saying, but um, I, I have no idea. I can't tell you that. I'm just curious. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a good question. I have no idea. It's weird to me because she looked it up on the map because China, not Japan. <laughs> right. Uh, but they're not very far away from one another. No. I don't know. That's uh, very odd to me. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, pupils are being taught that Disney fairy tales promote sexism and oh, come on. domestic violence. What? In a lesson plan circulated among teachers. Now, this is in the UK. It's in the Telegraph. Um, but now, as pupils, pupils as young as 11 are being taught that loyal heroine Belle is in an abusive relationship with the Beast, in which her only asset is her sexuality. She teaches him to read. Yeah. He yells at her a lot. I mean, she kind of is in he's an abusive relations, relationship, but... He's literally a beast. Like, right. he's literally yeah. an animal. Monster. And that's right. what I don't think these people are really realizing. It's not like he's just a guy <laughs> who is a human and is just mean and he has to teach himself mm-hmm. to control his rage. He's a beast. Yes. And he's also... He forgets that he was human, right? Isn't that the thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he he's, he's so beast. alone. He was. He's an animal. He's also... He's grumpy, but he's not like... You're stupid. <laughs> like, right. What? He's just. Yeah, he does lock he, her away. He growls. You're, you will come to dinner. That is not a request. And like slams the door on her. Yeah. yeah this kind of abuse. She's yes. a prisoner. She's a prisoner. He's an animal. Well, He's yeah. not a human being. We need to really realize that. He is not human. Okay, but wait. Let's but he does know that he's under a spell. This yes. Is a- Fairy tale. It's a. It's well, not yes. real. Yes, and it's so not I, real. I, I don't think that that letting kids watch Beauty and the Beast, the message they're going to get away with that is, I can only get out of here if I. My only asset is my sexuality. No, and that part's ridiculous. ridiculous. I've never even. You're going too far. They're going too far. Um, a lesson plan available on a teaching resource sharing website reads: The Beast does not attack Belle, but the threat of physical violence is present. Okay, sure. Uh, the movie says if a woman is pretty and sweet-natured, she can change an abusive man into a kind and gentle man. In other words, it's the woman's fault if her man abuses her, and of course the beast. What? And of course the beast turns into a handsome prince. Get this, because ugly people cannot be happy. <laughs> That's what this teaching website wow. is saying that Beauty and the Beast is teaching kids that ugly people can't be happy. That was written by an ugly teacher. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, are you... Are you insane? Uh, what are you talking about? We're going too far. Um, others in, in this list of things include The Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Princess Jasmine, and Snow White. Do they say why? Um, so how little, Yes. Well, okay. if for Snow White, they say uh, she doesn't mind housework because she's sure a rich young man will soon come and take her away. <laughs> I said that myself. 
That's why I say she's not a strong person. Because she runs into the woods. She's like, oh, okay, I'm going to break into these people's houses and clean yeah. it for them. Yeah. And one day my prince will come. I don't see her as a strong female she's character. A princess. Well, she's a princess. She's been told that a prince would come for her, right? Isn't that part right. of the thing? And also, it's not like she's just doing housework and 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 waiting for this to happen. So she's like, oh, I can do housework because I won't have to. That's what they're saying. She, when she's doing no, the housework, yeah. she, when she's doing the house, she's earning her keep. She's being nice to the people right. who are taking her in, hiding her from the huntsman who right. wants to cut her heart out. And also, can we just go back to that terrifying wood? scene girls only supposed to be like 14 in that movie mm-hmm. i would have a hysterical episode yeah. if that were me and there would be 32. no running there'd just be no i don't well, run curling up in the fetal position and that's why i think she is a strong character because she she ran into the woods she's hiding from the huntsman and she knows that someday she will be saved she's not hiding from the huntsman she's hiding from the queen because the huntsman spares her life and says, "Go get out of here." Oh right, okay. Yeah. So yeah, but I don't. But I'm, she hides and she survives. She's a she's a survivor. <clears throat> oh my goodness, he does not. <laughs> she's <laughs> gonna clean now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is typical of Disney movies. The site can, continues. Young women are naturally happy homemakers. They wait like Snow White in her coma until a man comes along to give them life. Oh man. Uh, teachers who want to burn the midnight while composing le- lesson plans can now download ones by other teachers for free from sites such as the Times Educational Supplement, which is where this is from. The lesson plan called Racism, Sexism in Disney, targeted at 11 to 16-year-olds, was uploaded by an unknown teacher in England for lessons um, such as citizenship. It has been viewed more than 11,000 times and downloaded more than 5,800 uh, times. I wonder oh. if this is a millennial teacher. Yeah, how, I want to see. I know. I want to see how old this person it's is. Gotta be. This. I just. I hate her. Phil Davies, the Tory MP for Shipley, West Yorkshire, says uh, parents will be horrified to think that their children are being brainwashed with this politically correct claptrap. I love English <laughs> insults. Uh, most parents send their school, their kids to school to learn about maths, science, and history, not to be brainwashed with garbage like this. That's a direct quote, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Not me. Yeah. Uh, the government should stop this idiot idiocy and ensure schools teach things that parents expect. I kind of, you know, agree. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Uh, Chris McGovern, chairman of the Campaign for Real Education, says these lesson plans represent an ignorant, insidious, and covert attack on family values and on the ancient wisdom of fairy tales. They are part of a deliberate strategy to pull apart the ties that bind our society together. I, whatever. That's, that's insane. You make no sense. Uh, fairy tales, including the Disney versions, allow children to make sense of the world whilst altering them to, uh, alerting them to its dangers. Yeah, okay, sure. Like much literature and art, they use stereotypical characters to demonstrate the battle between love and hatred, goodness and evil, honesty and deceit. By undermining and subverting that support and tradition, these model lessons are cruel to children, and they are also dangerous to their well-being and to their mental health. At what point did we as a society decide to stop letting kids be kids? Right. Letting them have fairy tales, letting them have Mm make-believe. Like, right. why, why is this? A, there's no more why fun. Why is this a thing? If this happened in Abby's school, I would freak out. Well, and so would I. And so this, so the reason I wanted to to report on this is, you know, I don't want to be super controversial, and and I, I enjoy the fact that listeners listen with their families, and 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 we definitely want to be respectful of how you parent your children. But in my opinion, and it sounds like in your guys' opinion as well, 
this kind of lesson plan here, this kind of interpretation of fairy tale and of and of Disney culture, I guess, should be done at home. It shouldn't be done Absolutely. at school. Absolutely. And and so if you're if if you're letting your school now dictate what you should or should not watch at home, I, I think that's that's a little too much interference and. Y- that allows a younger parent, I suppose, to be able to say, oh, well, the school will tell me what to do. I don't need to, I don't need to learn how to parent my child other than, hey, don't touch the red thing. It's hot. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you need to be able to police yourself. And so what this does is this is saying, no, you guys don't, you parents don't know because, uh, this, this really is very bad. This because, is very bad. Because even though you were raised on this, you know, you shouldn't let your kids watch you're this because right. you're, I mean, you're broken. Right. It's so weird. <clears throat> here's another uh here's another one that's weird. Uh and maybe it's not weird. I don't know. I don't want to be uh you know, whatever. Um <laughs> Critics accuse Disney of culture theft ahead of Moana release. Culture theft. While many are looking forward to Disney's Moana hitting theaters Thanksgiving weekend, some Pacific Islanders are not excited for the film. Ahead of its debut, Moana has become the subject of criticism for some who say it inaccurately depicts Polynesian culture and exploits it for profit. Uh, through the project, uh, Disney reached into the entire Pacific region and cherry-picked here and there to create this fantasy of Polynesia. Uh, Anne uh, Kelly, a native Hawaiian filmmaker and journalist, told NBC News, Polynesia isn't a race, and so that already is very problematic. There are millions of people in the Pacific, hundreds of languages. In preparing for Moana, Disney created a group called the Oceanic Story Trust, made up of academics, anthropologists, and other experts to inform the creative process. But critics have blasted the lack of transparency behind the trust. We don't know what the process is, and it seems as if people were selected from very specific islands. Vince Diaz, a professor at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities with a background in Pacific Island Studies, uh, said, why those islands? Who gets to authenticate Polynesia, and especially in a historical context in which Polynesia gets to stand for the entire Pacific? The film puts cultural aspects from multiple blah, blah, blah. You, you guys, you, you get the point. Right, right. But isn't that every film that they do i mean frozen wasn't just i don't know i feel like they're always drawing from different yeah everything well i mean i feel like they kind of explained themselves in in the in that paragraph where it says that uh there's millions of people and hundreds of um, yeah it's a thing right so you're if you're gonna make a movie you're gonna have to narrow that down to something and to some people and if you really want to be all-encompassing you're gonna cherry pick because mm-hmm. if yeah. they had just chosen one language and one people, then everybody would have felt left out. So, I mean, they're kind of in a... It's a melting They're pot. in a lose-lose situation. They're right. Not, they're not going to be able to make everybody happy, so... Well, and I feel like the solution here is not to, to boycott the movie or, like, it, it's to tell your kids, like, this is part of our cult. Like, it's not... You know that it's, it's a not lear- real, right? And there, this is a there's a learning moment here. <laughs> this is not an abusive relationship, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> uh, one of the largest issues critics had with Moana, they said, is that it perpetuates the stereotypical image of the Pacific as an exotic tropical getaway. They argue that it continues American colonialism of the region. In Hawaii, the impact of the American occupation, now it's an occupation, it wasn't sold, it's an occupation, is something nobody wants to see, Kelly said. It's poverty, illness, dysphoria, removal, uh, removal, marginalization, highest rates of uh, incarceration, suicide, and on and on. 
for all the bling, the eye-popping visuals, the uh, music, uh, it's the same old story of the Pacific existing to entertain, to mesmerize, to make modern humans feel good about themselves. I don't know what's so wrong about that. It's a movie. It's an entertain. Right. It's a cartoon movie about a beautiful place and and a mixture of a really awesome and old culture. Culture, exactly. What, how, how I don't understand. Look, I'm Greek. I didn't get bent out of shape when Hercules came out. That's. I mean, that's you know what I mean. True. But also, it's not really right. true because I'm. I'm. Look, I'm a white guy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be Pacific Islander. I don't know what it's like to have, you know, to, to be, uh, wanting to find your roots and then, and then seeing a movie like this, you know, come out. That's not exactly what life is like for you, but you have to realize it's a movie. It's also it's fiction. Te- it's not a documentary. It's, it's teaching children about right. the Pacific Islanders. I, I mean, I don't know. For for and, me, I thought it was kind of cool, but and it exists. For it's a enter- ch- entertainment yeah. purposes for children. For you can't children. you can't show some of the things like that go on on these islands. That then you can't show all the negative parts to children. They don't understand, and they shouldn't. <laughs> well, right, and because it's not it's not a movie about uh, Tahiti. It's not a movie about uh, Fiji. It's a movie about a pretend place with mm-hmm. pretend people that pretend things happen, but. Can you imagine if they made a movie like that called uh, with about a thing called Polynesia and didn't do any research? Yeah. Can you imagine the backlash on that? Yeah, like they true. tried, they tried. They're, they're, yeah. They want to, you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, Dia says they did not receive a reply from Disney. Uh, they they sent him some, you know, whatever. They argued that if the company was going to appropriate Pacific culture, it should give back f- uh, financially to the community. Of course. But okay. after the articles, Disney announced a new scholarship program with the Asian and Pacific Islander American Scholarship Fund. Last month, Disney committed $500,000 for students of Asian or Pacific Islander ethnicity, which will provide 150 50 scholarships over a three-year period. That's great. Critic says that's not enough. It's a pittance given they will make billions from all all cultures, Kelly said. So even though a few students will get something out of it, it doesn't come close to the culture theft and strip mining of our genealogy. Dude, they're not writing a friggin' history book about the Pacific (laughs) Islands, dude. It's not a documentary. Chill out. This is a stretch. This is a big stretch. They're looking for a handout. And again... Mm. I, you know, well, I, I don't think they're looking for a handout. I think they're actually upset about it, and and maybe they have a good cause. Again, I'm a white guy. I have no idea. I have no no animal in this race, but maybe they. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think they're. I don't know. I think they're overreacting. I think it's a big overreaction, which is, I think, part of the reason why we see lesson plans. About yes. how Belle is in an abusive relationship. It's such a similar story. It just well, yeah. it's oversensitive. One society. creates the other. Exa- I think. Exactly, exactly. Dude, just you know what? Watch. Not everything is watch the movie. You have fun. It's a movie. It's, it's entertainment. It's, Don't worry about it. Like I said, it's it's not a documentary. Um, <clears throat> speaking of Moana. Disney's latest animated flick, Moana, is a wholesome animated film set to be shown next week. But in Italy, its title is synonymous with adult content. Oh, dear. The Polynesian-themed family movie (laughs) will be released under the title Oceana due to its possible connotation with a popular 90s Italian adult movie star, Moana Posey. Oh, dear. Oh, what? (laughs) The name of the protagonist will also be changed to Vaiana in lieu of Moana. There are two very simple reasons for the title change. An Italian marketing expert who wished to remain anonymous <laughs> said in a Fox News report, one is that 
if you type Moana and do a Google search in Italy, you risk coming up with adult entertainment <laughs> videos. And it's very expensive and a waste of money to try to change that. The second reason, in any Italian focus group, Moana is Moana Posey, the adult entertainment star. <laughs> Uh, Disney did not make an official statement regarding the movie, but uh, Italy's version has the most notable, noticeable uh, change. I thought that was kind of funny. That's pretty funny. Um, How's okay, that for culture it. theft? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Uh, can we leave now? Are we done yet? We're done. Yeah. I think so. All right, good. This was, a, this, was a, this was a healthy show. It was a weird show. <laughs> so oh, weird. it was definitely weird. Now I feel a little weird about the about the culture theft segment. Was that okay, Terrence? Yeah, it was yeah? fine. All right. Oh, I don't, I don't think you should feel weird about it. I mean, I do. it was fine. I feel weird about a lot of Those stuff. Are if anybody feels weird about it, they can write in. Oh, I'm sure I they mean, will. I'm I, sure there's... I think, a, that, I think that they have a point, right? I, I agree. I think they have a but point as well. But I do think that, that it, it's just oversensitive. It's I think it's oversensitive culture well. that we all have now. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the point at all. I yeah, I don't see either. Uh, let's see the fact of the show here. Disneyland Castle is actually built backwards. When Walt was looking at the original park concept model, he picked up the castle and turned it around, saying, I like it better this way. You might notice there's a lot more of a town rock gray on the front than on the back. This is why. Mm-hmm. Enter it. Enter it back. There you go. Very nice. Um, okay, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. Thank you to Jeremy from Spectro Radio. You can go to spectroradio.us and hear all Disney all the time. Uh, and we're even on there, too, which is strange. I don't know why he puts up with us, but uh, <laughs> he's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, anyway, find us on social media. Hang out with us. Uh, do all that kind of stuff. And until then, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>